Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 146. I want to hold your hand. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number 25 from Chris Pearson. The message is 28 seconds long and was recorded immediately after last week's message from the winter of 1990. Here we go. Please let me know that I'm your man. And please, please, say to me, me, you'll let me hold your hand. anyone out there tonight who needs a hand to hold, a shoulder to cry on, a leg to stand on, someone to lean on. Tonight, let me say that I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. Let me, please let me, please let me hold your hand. That's so great. You know, I love that they say please in this song, please let me hold your hand. This would have been your last year of the Art Institute, right? No, I think the year before was my last year. Well, because I was going to ask you any good stories about what the Art Institute was like? You know, I always felt like a little bit of an outsider there. You know, I will say that going to, that art schools are very different than non-art schools. You could smoke in class. Um, there were lots of people wearing crazy clothes. I remember there was a guy that wore a Santa suit. Do you have any memories of distinctive professors or anything? Yeah, there was a couple. My painting professor, uh, Ray Yoshida, who was a Chicago imagist and a pretty successful, really great painter, he was sort of a mentor to me and I wound up living, I rented an, an apartment from him for about a year or so. He, um, he always had a rental apartment where he'd have sort of a favorite student living there and I did that for one year. Um, there was an older woman there and she taught a color class that everybody wanted to get into. You'd get this book for $200 of these special color cards, and then you'd, she'd give you different exercises to do to learn about transparency and to see how just the different colors are put together and different sort of how colors could be muted and different things that would go well together. I did color with her, color one and two, and learned a lot. I still think about that class sometimes. I remember I made a friend at the Art Institute called Joe Bajarski who was a uh, saxophone player and he was also there was a band called Shrimp Boat and he played horns with them I believe um and they they were a rock band uh, but he also did more straight up jazz sort of uh playing sort of free jazzy stuff he was a great guy and he and I would mess around as a duet you know every couple of weeks or so and we'd get together I, with him I think I was playing mostly electric guitar and he would play his horn 
sometimes we would trade instruments. It was very um, somewhere between noise and slightly industrial. Down in Pilsen, he had a weekly get-together on Saturdays. So this guy, who may have been one of the shrimp boat guys, but it was just a jazz setup. There was like five or six dudes there who all played, I think mostly horns. They might have all been horns. And I started playing with them a little bit. They'd bring me in, and I'd do my guitar thing, and they'd play over it. I ran with that for a couple of couple of sessions, but then I felt they were sort of using me a little bit. I mean, Mike Abrazzisi said I was being a, a jazz puppet, you know, because I would just go there and do my industrial, you know, my, my guitar thing, and um, they would just wail and just blow over it. And so they made recordings of this. Yeah, I'm sure they always recorded it. I don't know if any of it went anywhere. We did, I know we did this one version of Pop Goes the Weasel that went on for, it seemed like it went on forever. It might have just been 45 minutes or an hour or something like that. That I kind of like. Are you still in touch with Joe? I tracked him down, sort of. He, uh, he, he married someone uh, about, I'm not sure when he got married, but about 10 years ago, I saw an article about him. It might have even been... It was maybe in the New York Times, an article about young couples. Like, he, he had this hipster general store there where they had really curated, cute, kitschy type of stuff. But um, the store wasn't doing well. The article was about something about the, uh, the not success of these places. These people, they go all in with these stores and everything seems so great. And he was maybe even selling stuff online, but it didn't work out. And then he got into yoga, I think, and got really buff. I know. I, I tracked him down on um, Facebook at one point. He had these photographs of him doing these just absurd poses, you know, where he's just balancing on an elbow or something like that. I'm like, wow. The School of the Art Institute, like many art schools, produced its share of rock bands. One of those was Shrimp Boat, formed in 1985 by three MFA students, Ian Schneller, Sam Precop, and David Kroll. They freely mixed folk, jazz, and noise elements into something that developed a popular following at Phyllis's Musical Inn, located in Wicker Park. After breaking up in 1993, Precop went on to form The Sea and Cake with a former member of Tortoise. Previously mentioned on the podcast, as a central group in the Chicago post-rock scene. Joe Vajarski joined Shrimp Boat on saxophone for their final 1993 album, Cavale, and also appears on the three-disc collection of unreleased recordings from 2005 titled Something Grand. Vajarski and his wife, Carolyn Sheeler, were profiled in a series of New York Times stories from October 2013 about their struggle to open a general store in Wayne, Illinois, a small town 50 miles west of Chicago. Despite initial enthusiasm from neighbors who welcomed an occupant in the town's only retail space, after less than two years, in April 2015, they announced their closing on Facebook. Returning to the Art Institute, Ray Yoshida, Chris's mentor, received his bachelor's from the school in 1953 
and taught there from 1959 until his retirement in 2005. Yoshida was a key figure in the Chicago School, which, in contrast to the abstraction and seriousness of the New York School, embraced playful images. Yoshida drew inspiration from comics and folk objects, including thousands of items from old metal toys to store signs collected at the Maxwell Street Market. After his death in 2009, this collection was donated to the Kohler Arts Center in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. A less well-known artist, but no less important to the Art Institute's story, was Betsy Ruprecht, who taught Chris's class on color. Ruprecht's parents met at the Oxbow Artist Colony on the eastern shore of Lake Michigan, which was founded by Art Institute instructors. Ruprecht received both her bachelor's and master's from the Art Institute and worked as a designer for Marshall Fields before teaching at the school from 1960 until 2015. Ruprecht passed in 2018. If you want to put me in an institution, go to my website, pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. The interview was edited this week by Chris's niece, Sadie Levin. Many thanks to her and to Chris for his museum tour. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.